This is the Life Truth Network. Truth Exposed, Episode 47. A feature of Quest for Truth, where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Now located at life-truth.com. Here are your hosts, Keith Heltsley and Nathan Caldwell. Hey everybody, this is your host Keith, and I'm running a shade behind. I'm already late for my usual uh, uh, getting things posted here. So without further ado, in very few words... Let me uh, just uh, get this started. We'll be just looking at Truth Exposed, uh, where we've been diving deeply into the book of John. We're up to uh, chapter 13, right in the middle of it. We won't get real far today, but hey, I'd rather go slow and, and, and deeper than the other way around, fast and shallow. <laughs> With that said, hey, uh, I, I just want to pop in a quick word from the folks there at Christian Podcast Community. Real briefly, listen to this. Our community is a cohesive group of like-minded Christian producers who podcast on areas of expertise and passion. The Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded podcasters proclaiming the truth of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, and much, much more. So check us out at christianpodcastcommunity.com. One stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts. Or one stop for the podcasts that are about to be your favorite Christian podcasts. ChristianPodcastCommunity.com Main Topic Here we go. We're going to read uh, some a passage here from John chapter uh, 13, verses 12 through 20. Uh, it'll probably be plenty long enough as we dig into this and see what it says. Uh, now, just a little bit of context. This is in the upper room. I, I know Jay Werner McGee said it's not the Last Supper, but I think it is the Last Supper. And I think what he means by that is that it doesn't describe uh, the supper uh, like the other ones do. It doesn't talk about, you know, take and eat, this is a bread, this take and drink. Uh, it just, they're in the upper room, and Jesus has just washed the feet of his disciples. He stripped off his outer garment. Uh, and doing that, now, after he did that, he said, so after he'd washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down, he said unto them, Know ye what I've done to you? Now, if it was just a lesson in humility, they'd have got the message. 
And if it was only just washing their feet, I think Peter would have spoken up and said, Sure, we know what you did. You washed their feet. But you see, there's something more there than that. Uh, and now I'm going to start reading here. And I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garment and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? And let me pause right there. You know, he, of course, returned back into his outer garment, put his cloak back on. He got rid of his servant uh, clothes, got rid of that servant role, and he's resuming being their teacher again. Uh, he's you know, all done with the foot washing. Uh, he's resuming his place. And when he asked, what just happened? Do you know what I just did? Well, this a good question here. And uh, I do want to remark from John 13, 7, uh, we read about last time, Jesus says, what I do to you, you do not realize now, but you will understand later. We're going to find that's exactly the intention of Jesus' uh, teaching here in these few short, short verses. That there's, He's trying to hint to his disciples, there's something coming, you know, there's a storm brewing, or whatever you want to put it, and he's trying to prepare them. Um, there's a little more to that. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. We want to verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Now here, I just want to remark that uh, the word uh, for teacher and Lord comes, uh, their, their titles of respect, and they come from a couple of Greek words, didaskulos, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, didaskulos, <laughs> and Curios, curios. Uh, those are the words he's using. Curios is the word all through the New Testament for Lord. Almost every time you see the word Lord, maybe all the time you see that, it's that's what lays under that. Uh, but didasculus just means teacher. Uh, there's a writing out there called the didache. It just means the teachings. And so, anyway, you can see it's built on the same word. Uh, it's built on where we get a word for doctrine and things like that. In Matthew seven twenty one and 22, has this to say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And it goes on, uh, verse 23, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, let me just say that there are plenty of you know, teachers out there, false teachers, 
who claimed to do all these fancy deeds and prophecies and miracles and so forth, uh, if they're not doing that uh, because God told them to, then they're false preachers. And they run this risk of saying, oh, look, we did all these things. We prophesied all these words. But if they're not doing what God told them to do, uh, Jesus is going to tell them, I never knew you. In Luke 6.46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And that puts it really concisely right there. You, you, you can call yourself a Christian, and you can call the name of the Lord, if you're not doing what he says, well, Luke, uh, that verse is leaves it hanging there. And I'm sure if we look at the context, I'm not sure if Luke says, we're going to find out other places what Jesus has to say about that. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And read verse 14. If I then, Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to also wash one another's feet. Let's pause and look at that. Uh, remember that question? Do you, do you know what I do to you? He's answering his question right here. This is the answer. Uh, Jesus, as teacher, an honorable and important position, has taken upon himself to humble himself to do something as lowly as wash their feet. And he's saying, look, uh, if I can do it, uh, you all ought to be doing this. We're expected to do uh, the lowly and humble ta tasks that Jesus did. And I, I know it's easy to live a comfortable life. I love to be comfortable. <laughs> but uh, and he, I, like, like Paul has said elsewhere, I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be rich. Uh, but however you live, uh, you need to live for Christ. That's what you need to do. Uh, and they, uh, I hope that God doesn't call me to give up uh, comforts in life. And believe me, I am very grateful for the comforts of life that God has bestowed. Uh, but if we're ever called to uh, step out beyond that, we need to do that. In Matthew uh, 20, verses 26 to 28, he puts it like this. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall become your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom for many. So, you know, you know, the Jews of the time thought the Messiah would come back and set up an earthly kingdom, and they would be great, and there would be a physical, ongoing kingdom. Well, he will when he stays, but his purpose here is not to do that. His purpose at the time he came was to, well, seek and save the lost. But he also came from a high and honorable place in heaven next to the seed of God, and he had lowered himself. Uh, and he's saying, look, if I can leave heaven and I can you know, step down from being at the right hand of God, uh, you all need to do that too. When we think of our comforts, Jesus never had a home. You know, he didn't come here to be pampered and rich. And Hebrews 12, too, is kind of interesting. It says, fixing 
our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame but that sat down at the right hand of God. Now, he came, it, it was a shameful thing for him to die, but he, he counted as joy to leave heaven to do that because, well, he, he was able to return uh, in glory to sit back at the right hand of God. Uh, in Romans 12, 10 through 16, is pretty clear from Paul who says, be devoted to one another and brotherly love, give preference to one another and honor, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Uh, so there's some rules to live by there. You know, don't be too proud. Uh, it's okay to hang out with the humble people. And it's good to serve each other, no matter what the station in life is. Let us look at verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. And again, uh, the expectation is to follow him in humility, uh, these humble acts of service. Uh, if Jesus did it, we should do it too. He should be our example, our model. Um, in Romans 15, 5, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind as one another, as according to Christ Jesus. So hey, it's one thing to be like-minded with somebody, but you might be like-mindedly wrong. And there are bad doctrines out there. Uh, there's bad doctrines in just about every denomination, including the one that I'm in. Uh, you have to take, uh, besides being like-minded, we need to make sure we have like minds with Christ uh, to follow his words directly. Uh, to study what the scripture says, not what we think we want it to say. And when we find a bad doctrine, we need to point it out and re repent from that bigger way. I've heard it put that way before. But uh, don't follow that anymore. In First Peter 3, 17 and 18, For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right instead of what is doing wrong. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in his flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So yeah, we, we're not the just. <laughs> Jesus is the just one who died for me, us, the unjust. Uh, and if he can do that, we should be willing to do whatever God is leading us to do. Uh, it's better for us to suffer for doing something right because, hey, I did something good and you're punishing me for it. I mean, has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me a couple times, a few times. Uh, but if you're going to do something, be punished for something, do something bad, well, you deserve that. There's no honor in that. 
but if you're the whipping boy for somebody else, then it's <laughs> like, uh, well, there's some honor in that. I mean, you're you're paying that guy's price. You're acting like Jesus, I guess. It's in a small degree. Let's move on to verse 16. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master. Yeah, there's the concept right there. Let's pause and talk about that a moment. Uh, yeah. As a student or a slave or one being sent, uh, you're not in higher than your master. You're not high, higher importance than the one who wrote the message. You're just the, the delivery boy there. Uh, you don't have the authority there. You're not higher. But Jesus knew about his coming crucifixion here. Uh, and he's trying to tell his followers, don't expect better treatment for yourself. We may not be called to suffer in that way, but why should we expect any better? Now, I, I like my creature comforts, but I've been without them before. I didn't always have some of the comforts I have now. Well, here's a bunny trail for you. Uh, being in the infantry years ago, in my much younger life, whenever the people would say, hey, we're going to go to the field. That means you go to the field. You're out in the woods. Everything you have for life support, you carry on your back. You got your, your sleeping bag, your tent, your food, everything you need. Change your clothes. If you, if you need it, you got it right there. You live in the trees. You set up a tent. You have to light a fire to or a bar to shave with or whatever. And so with that in mind, that, with that context there, when I left active duty, I, I joined the National Guard. And one of the first things they said is, say you're going to be on the advance party. You're going to go to the field to get things set up. Uh, okay, out in the woods, you know, setting up a tent and carrying your stuff on your back. Well, I get to this place, and they drop us off at a building. Inside the building were beds with mattresses and lockers, like little, little wardrobe lockers. They had a shower with running water. They had a bathroom with toilets with running water. <laughs> and people were grumbling, oh, I hate being in the field. This is so awful. It's like, this is the field? Hey, send me to the field every time if this is the field. You don't know what else. And they were grabbing about because the showers were all in that cold water. It's like, you're kidding me. I don't care if it's cold or not. I got running water. I'm happy. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll talk about uh, creature comforts. Uh, I know I've been without them. I've been with few of them, and I've been you know, comfortable enough. But whichever your condition you're called to be in, we should be striving to serve Christ is the point there. Uh, but a pupil is not above his teacher. Uh, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. And that is from uh, Luke uh, 6.40. And that's really true. I mean, you can be an apprentice. You can be, what's the levels there, craftsman. Then finally you get to be a master at the trade. 
Uh, if you're in karate, you start with a white belt, and you go to the colored belts in the middle, and you end up with the black belt. Through the whole process, you're never as good as your teacher, never. Uh, now, once you get to that top level, your top tier black belt or your top tier master craftsman or whatever you trade, uh, you're not you, you're only going to be as good as what your teacher taught. Uh, you could eventually be the ultimate top dog as time marches on, and maybe your teacher retires or no longer is there. Uh, but you're only going to be as good as that person. Now, here's the benefit, though. If we have the scripture, we're being taught directly by Paul. We're being taught directly by Peter and Jesus. And uh, if, if something a teacher tells me or tells you, if I tell you something, it's like, oh, you're stupid, Keith, that's wrong. <laughs> that's okay, I'll take it. But if, if you can say, look, Jesus says it this way, and I'll say, yeah, you're right. And, and so we both are learning from Scripture, God's Word, from Jesus. Uh, and so uh, we both, even though maybe I'm your teacher or whatever, uh, we both uh, can be students directly from Jesus because of the benefit of the Scriptures that we have today. But we can never hope we would be better than Jesus, I guarantee you that. Uh, let's go on to verse 17. If you know these things... You are blessed if you do them. Now, ha happiness or being blessed is the result of these humble acts of service. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Servant, servant attitude. He was teaching them humility and the attitude of a servant. And he told them, if I can humble myself and wash your feet, which to my understanding was like the, wasn't, the servant didn't have to do it, the servant's servant. You know, way down the line, you might say, was the one to do it. It was a very demeaning task. But the Son of God washed their feet. If the Son of God stooped to wash feet, then we should be willing to do whatever we need to do to serve Him and to serve others for Him. Psalms 19, 1 through 5, I just want to read this really quick if I can read it quick that <laughs> is to say uh, how blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord how blessed are those who observe his testimony who seek him with all their heart they also do no unrighteousness they walk in his ways you have ordained your precepts so that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. In other words, you know, you're praying to God that, that your purpose in life will be pleasing enough to keep his statutes, his laws. And it, there's a, I think a verse three was it said, uh, uh, 
they also do know in righteousness. Whenever you're following God's law, you're, you're doing no unrighteousness. Uh, it seems a little strange because, you know, we can't say of ourselves, we know we're not righteous. There's none who is righteous. No, we're not one. It says in Romans, I think, 3 or something. Maybe it's 6, I forget. On the top of my head. But the point there is, whenever we are doing the righteousness of Christ and doing what he tells us to do, whenever we're doing what we know we ought to do because it's in God's scripture, we're putting on uh, Christ and we're making ourselves look more and more like Christ. We're becoming more and more like our master, being the student. And that makes us righteous. It's not our righteousness. My righteousness is filthy rags. But if I put on these precepts of God and I put on what Christ emulated these humble acts, then I'm looking more like him. Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. And this is what happens when we follow God's laws. Now, of course, you're saying, hey, you've got to be saved by works. Well, no, I'm saying you're saved by faith. But once you're uh, justified and you're, air quotes, saved, uh, it, it shows up because we have this desire to follow God's laws. The more we can walk in those paths, and we uh, use those laws, that's what makes us more sanctified. We become more founded on the rock of Scripture. He says in verse 17, If ye know these things, happy are you if ye do them. You want joy in your life today, Christian friend? I don't care who you are or how good you think you are. You better go to him and confess. Confess the fact you're disobedient. Confess the fact of your thoughts that are wrong. Confess your acts that you've done. You see, we need to confess. And he very frankly says, you have no fellowship with me. Now, what does it mean, though? If I've washed your feet, you're to wash one another's feet. Well, I'll tell you how we do that. Notice what he said to Mary and Martha. And he was speaking actually to Martha. He said, Mary hath chosen that good part. Well, that good part that Mary chose was to sit at Jesus' feet. And I think that you have that mentioned in 2 Corinthians 6.15. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? That is, fellowship. And you can't have fellowship with him until he takes your feet into his hands. Now, feet speak of our walk down here. And our feet must be in his hands. And that simply means that we must completely yield to him. This idea today that this business of confession of sin is a pretty insignificant thing is entirely wrong. 
If we confess our sins, means that you go and you put your feet in his hands for him to cleanse and for him to wash. And he's still in the business of washing feet. Now, somebody is going to say, well, what does it really mean to be washed by the Word of God? You mentioned that last time. Well, will you listen to what he says in Psalm 139, 23, and 24? You and I need to go to him. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And my friend, you and I today need to recognize that we are sinners and that we need to be cleansed. Which one of you that can say today, well, I have no sin in my life? I doubt whether there's anyone that can say that. Now, this man, Simon Peter, was very impulsive. You remember, he said, Now, I want you to wash my hands and my head. He goes to the opposite extreme. This man, he was warm-hearted, but he was certainly dull-minded. He didn't quite get all this. And our Lord made it clear to him that when you come to him for salvation that you are cleansed, and all you need is to have your feet washed, because that is a washing that comes when you and I sin. And there's not a one of us that can go through one day and live without sin. And we need to pray, Lord, forgive us our trespasses. And we hear a great deal today about that we need to recognize that we need to be cleansed. And he says, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. And friends, that means to go to him in confession. And if you're his child, it means that you're putting your feet in his hands. And that means you're completely yielding to him. That's what it means to confess your sins. And that is something that's desperately needed today. Revelation 22:14 Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and they enter by the gate to the city. Wow. So the washing of your robes is your righteous deeds, these humble deeds is what makes us righteous. Um, let's move on to verse 18. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones whom I have chosen, but it is so the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has raised up his heel against me. All right. And so his Jesus' message to his disciples continues here. And J. Vernon McGee uh, indicates that Jesus may have left the room by the phrasing of that. He also mentions as a direct quote from the psalm. I don't have the passage handy, but he'll tell you. Now will you notice that immediately having given this, he continues now, and notice what he says. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture might be fulfilled. 
He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And that's Psalm 41, 9 that he's quoting here. Now, this is something that we need to note here. He's referring to Judas, and not only is he referring to Judas, it's not a question of this man losing his spiritual life, but it rather reveals that he never had any spiritual life. That's the fact. He's not a sheep of Christ becoming unclean, but he happens to be a pig that's returned to its wallowing again, or the dog that's returned to his vomit. That's the picture of Judas Iscariot here. And yet he was there in the upper room, and this man, very frankly, he got his feet washed here. But you see, the washing was the washing by the Word of God. And he rejected that totally. Actually, the blood of Christ is Godward, and the water points manward. The blood is for the expiation of our sin, and the water is for our moral purification. And the precious blood, you hear this said today, all the blood is applied to my heart. My friend, it's not applied to your heart. It's canceled my guilt. That's what's happened. And it has washed out that awful black account which was against me on high. And it's given me a standing before God. And it's blotted out my transgressions. And therefore, they are not against me today. And the blood is for penal expiation, but the water is for moral purification. Uh, I thought they might point back to uh, Genesis 3, where it talks about the fall of man uh, and striking the ser- serpent's head, striking the heel. But that's, that's in context, is really about Jesus and Satan. And what it, Jesus, this, uh, whenever, <laughs> what this passage here is talking about is Jesus specifically being betrayed by a friend, someone you share a meal with. Now, at any rate, uh, Judas is a lost cause. He's made his decision up. In Hebrews 4.13, it says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So it's not that Jesus didn't know this was going to happen. It's it's been mentioned in John at least two times, if not way more than that, that Jesus gave a roll call of disciples. It was was Judas, and it was, say, who would betray him. He he knew it from the beginning. It's still be a hard thing. You open your house to somebody and they uh, betray you. Um, But let's look at... uh, Verse 19 here. Uh, From now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. So Jesus is giving a heads up. He knew his time was at hand. He was trying to give his followers the heads up so they wouldn't be surprised. Now, the question is, what was going to happen? And why didn't he just come out and say it? 
all he's doing is kind of hinting something's happened, something's going to happen, something big. He's trying to do that teaser promo. <laughs> he's not saying what the, the main, main event's going to be. Uh, but the thing is, Jesus often would say, you know, I'm sent by the Father. I, I can only do what the Father tells me to do. I can only do what he sees me or uh, what he shows me to do. Uh, and so God clearly didn't tell him. Now, will you notice here this man as he comes, and I want to read this passage here. I'm reading beginning at verse 19. Now I tell you before it come that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. And this is something, by the way, Judas was not present. I think this makes it clear for the institution of the Lord's Supper. We don't even have that given in the Gospel of John. And we mentioned last time that there's no transfiguration in John's Gospel, and there's no institution of the Lord's Supper. And it's the evident fact God didn't want this to become a ceremony and a ritual, and people thinking if they just go through it that it's meaningful. Now, he's giving us, John's giving us the record of this last discourse, and he's emphasizing that. John eight twenty three, and he was saying to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Uh, here's an interesting one here in Isaiah 43.10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no gods formed, and there will be none after me. Yeah, so this interesting, it comes from Isaiah, of course, who's talking about God, but the people who compiled these cross-references must indicate that uh, it's talking about Jesus, too, that Jesus came. Uh, he also was saying there was no other gods before God, not before, and there won't be any after. Makes him kind of the uh, ultimate authority on things there. Anyway, let's wrap it up here, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, he, whoever I send, receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now he identifies who he's talking about. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth, whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Judas has totally rejected Jesus Christ. And the only thought I have to add here is that, again, it's a true statement. Verily, verily, I say to you. So it's about as true as you can get. Uh, but not everybody is going to like you as his disciple. Not everyone's going to accept you. But for those who do also accept the Father, especially if I'm here trying to teach you a, a gospel <laughs> message here, if you get it, you believe this, and you can accept it, then you're all. But you're not accepting me. You're accepting God. Is what you're doing. Uh, it, 
Yeah, if you rebel against that, well, let's see what some scriptures say here real quick. Uh, John twelve forty four through 48. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who receives me receives the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world. so that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not do them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him on the last day. You know, some people say, oh, Jesus is love. He doesn't judge. He came to save. Well, that's true. That's true. But if you hear those words and you don't do what he says, there will be judgment. That's what he's also saying. Yeah, he, he, he in his words in the scripture, they're not necessarily judgmental words, but still those words will come back and bite you on the butt, to use a figure of speech. If you, if you know in the gospel Jesus said to do something, you know, be humble to help one another, and you don't do it, then you'll be judged based on that in the end. But that's all I have on uh, our topic of the day. So with that, I'll go ahead and wrap it up until next time. Can you prove that God is a Trinity? Can you prove that Jesus is God? Can you defend the Christian faith? And what is it that Christians truly believe? The new book by Andrew Rappaport, What Do We Believe, will answer those questions and more. Some people just don't understand what the church is today. But this book will go through the history and meaning of the church. And what's more important than to understand man's sinfulness and God's salvation? Get your copy at whatdowebelievebook.com or at the strivingforeternity.org store. All right, and really, that's all we got today. I could have went longer, but I would have had a, a much longer show. I figured I would take it in bite-sized pieces as we uh, scratch through uh, what's being said here in this uh, very important chapter, and especially the ones coming up. So stay tuned. We'll get back to this chapter uh, and how uh, this uh, time with the disciples uh, pans out with Jesus in that upper room. So we'll see you then, and thanks for listening. Visit life-truth.com, where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at HPNCast, capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at Zerbinator. 
www.wordpress.com. May God richly bless you. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.